It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slay's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo. Touchdown to Corbyn! Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back. And uh, I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, TGIF. There you go, man. It's Friday. Absolutely, man. It's always great to be Friday. And, uh, man, we got tons to talk about, man. Uh, the draft is basically a week away when we're recording here. And uh, it's just going to be crazy. We've talked a ton about it. Um, there's lots of scenarios, lots of rumor and innuendo out there. But uh, who knows? where uh, Bobby Quinn, Matt Patricia, and our Lions might go. So uh, we're loaded up with things today. Uh, before we get started, Grifka, I want to throw it up off the top if people didn't see it on Twitter. We have a new Detroit Kool-Aid listener line, Grifka, where the listeners of this podcast, they can call in. Uh, it takes you right to a uh, voicemail. You can rant and rave about the Lions. You can give us your take. You can ask us questions. You can do all types of stuff. The best of the best is going to get played here on the uh, DKC, and it uh, should be fun, man. should be exciting. So looking forward to kind of using that and getting in the mix. And who knows? We may have a uh, question or two before we get done with this episode. But uh, that's a new feature. We're kind of excited about that. And uh, with that being said, I mean, like I say, today on the show, we're going to talk about news and notes. Uh, Grifka's got a few topics, and then we're going to jump in. I'm going to put Grifka through the paces. Grifka has done some – drafts where he picks at eight yeah anybody can pick at eight because there's only seven people before that we're going to put you through a two-round mock using the draft network and really see where you're at because when you compare a first rounder and a second rounder that's when you know you're doing big things that's what the lines need to do is hit home runs in the first and second round and then maybe next week right before the draft i might put you through a three-round mock and really see what you got you think you can handle this grifka yeah i got this <laughs> are you sure yeah, I got this. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the people are shaking their heads out there. But uh, news and notes. Griff, what do you got on your brain today? What's going on? Uh, one thing I was uh, I saw this week was that uh, the Lions were you know, having another visit, and then Clellan Farrell from the uh, Clemson, the defensive end, he's uh, he, he brought him for a visit. Now, I'm seeing a lot of drafts and a lot of um, you know mock drafts that he's going to be more of like a mid-first-round guy. Now, is this maybe one of those interviews or the visits they bring him in for, you know, in case they do trade back? That's a guy they would target? Because I can't see him as, at the number eight pick. Is that something you you believe this is? Uh, it's a good thing to bring up because Farrell was a guy that was talked about heavily early. We haven't brought him up barely at all. He seems to sort of be disappearing in that mid to late first round, but – all of a sudden, like, I'm hearing buzz about, hey, don't forget about this guy. This guy's a power rusher. He came from a great program. He's a heck of a character guy. Big physical, kind of the size everybody looks for at at that defensive end position. Um, you know, fits the profile of probably what a, a Bobby Quinn and a Matt Pat would look for. It's just, you know, people get down on, like, his bend, his speed, his, all this stuff that they kind of test for. But I think he's still a heck of a football player. So I was glad they brought him in. And like I said, this is a name that I'm glad we brought up today because I don't want people to forget about, man. If they were to trade down a bit or take this guy – 
and he plays great opposite of Flowers and, and mixes in a defensive line, I'd be real happy. So um, I think it's a name to keep in mind, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, when, when I saw them, I'm like, oh, that's good. That's you know, it's a it's a good visit right there. You know, I know it's probably one of those guys a lot of people are targeting. You know, if he falls a certain position, but like I like I mentioned opening, I believe he's going to be first mid round guy as opposed to that top ten talent right there. So this is somebody that they might target if they do make one of those trades, one of those things that we're always you know hearing a lot of buzz about them trading back either with you know Carolina or Atlanta or something like that. They may target him at that point. But once again, if he was one of those guys they picked up, you know, somewhere mid first round. I'd be pretty happy with that pick. So it's a good visit. I know he's on a lot of teams' radars, but, uh, you know, if the Lions were to get him mid-first round, I would be pretty happy about that. Um, another thing I saw was uh, Graham Glasgow. They were asking him, I mean, it's uh, the mini camps going on right now, and they were asking him about his new contract. And he said he wasn't worried about his new contract. Um, he's more concerned about uh, becoming the best center in the NFL. Now, uh, Personally, I think Graham Glasgow, I, I think he's decent. He, you know, he's good. He's, you know, calls out uh, defensive, uh, you know, the defense pretty well, picking up blitzes, things like that. But uh, do you believe, I mean, he could be the best center in the NFL? I mean, it's nice to say goal to have, but where do you see him? Do you think he could be a top five center in the NFL even? Before I answer that, Griffgar, are you trying to say Graham Glasgow is not that? What, <laughs> yeah, he's not that great. What's that? He's not that great. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I disagree. I saw the same uh, interview. I mean, I put out online. <laughs> Graham Glasgow looks like he never wants to talk to the media ever, which makes me like him better. Every question by your boy Dave Burkett Grifka, he just rolled his eyes like, "Oh my gosh, I got to answer." Why they put an offensive lineman at the podium is kind of what the little bubble uh, above his head was telling me every time he was up there. So, I mean, I thought he he just seemed like a, a meat and potatoes football player. I mean, there are times where I've been sort of frustrated with him, but hey, this guy got picked in the third round. He's basically started from day one. He's had some position flex. You know, to me, just I'm looking for that road grader. I'm looking for people that really push people around. And Glasgow, I've always seen him as steady, but not a guy that, you know, fires off the football and just sort of crushes the guy in front of him. But like I say, he seems to be decent with, you know, working with Stafford, the line calls. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be the best center in football because there's a couple big nasty ones out there on, on some of the upper echelon teams. Cause to me, a center is a very important spot that's often forgot about. So, you know, I don't know about best. I don't know about even top five, but I am for kind of extending this guy and keeping him in the fold. If, uh, if they don't have any plans to put Ragnar back there, you know, move him to, to the middle and uh, move on from Graham. If they want to keep Ragnar where he is, you know, I wouldn't mind extending Graham Glasgow at a good number and all that so you know I'm a fan you may say he's not that great but a third rounder that's playing in the middle of your offensive line and playing pretty solid you know is something I I can appreciate yeah I'm I'm glad he wants to strive to be the best but like you said there's a lot of you know nasty guys out there that uh if you were picking a team that you would uh, take in front of Graham Glasgow and I I agree with you get the belt I do believe that should extend this guy also um, keep uh, Ragnow at guard right now. Um, I think uh, Glasgow is a definite upgrade over the last couple centers that we've had there. I know uh, Rayola was there for a long time, and you always hear those rumblings if you know people complain about Rayola and release him, and like, oh, teams will be lining up to get him. But uh, I still think he's an upgrade over Rayola and uh, definitely Travis Swanson. So um, it's nice that he uh, you know, that he's got the work ethic and that he has the drive to be that. And, you know, that can only help the team right there. Let's see. Uh, that's all I got. You got anything else, Derek, before uh, we move on? Um, no. I'm getting in a lot of draft talk and some other stuff. So let's go ahead and dive into some of our main topics here. Get this going for the for the Kool Aid drinkers out there. Okay. Um, so as we all as we all know, a lot of off season workout plans are starting. Just uh, small ones. You know, a few days. Everybody comes into the uh, uh, into Allen Park and uh, team. You know, checks them out and. Once again, this is all in the, uh, you know, has to do with the, the contract with between the players union and the NFL. They can have only so many off-season workout programs, only so many are mandatory. Um, 
so this is uh, one of those times where, you know, everybody comes in before the draft. Teams get to look at them. Um, I know reporters really like them. Us as fans really like them. You get to see teams walking in. You always see the photos of the guys out in the parking lot walking into the building. <laughs> do, do you really think these are real beneficial before they get into training camp, before even the rookies are, are taken? I mean, and just to get the team in there, just to kind of look at them, see where they're at physically. Uh, I mean, really deep down, do you find any benefit to like little camps like this that only last a few days? Oh man, I'm I'm good with it. I mean, it's it's kind of the the start of football, even though they're not doing football activities. I mean, I think getting the team together is is always really important. Uh, building that camaraderie and just you know the NFL seems to sort of just spread all this stuff out so that there's always something going on. So you know, I don't mind it. I mean, I also don't mind when people like snacks and obviously Stafford, you know, thoughts and prayers, uh, what him and his family are going through. Like, uh, you know, I don't really mind when people like that aren't there for the right reasons at this point in the game. You know, we still got a couple months until some of the mandatory camps and, and more football activities. So I think there's no big issues there. And, uh, I don't know. I like it. I like, uh, seeing the guys coming back and seemed excited. You know, I talked to Kennard, talked to Tavon. Um, those are pretty good interviews. If you want to go check those out on, on YouTube. And again, Tori Petri does a tremendous job. Don't you think Griska? Oh yes. She does a wonderful job. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, I think it's just a, a neat part to do before the draft and everybody's sort of getting their, uh, guys in the building and, I think it's weird where they say, you know, they can't have any contact with coaches. I mean, I, I bet there's just so much garbage that kind of goes on on scene that's, uh, you know, it just makes me laugh when these guys are just showing up and randomly working out and they never pass by the coach or chat with them or, I don't know, it just seems odd. But, uh, yeah, I like it, and uh, I like seeing the lines back. I like some of the positivity I heard from the guys. And let's get it rolling, man, day by day, uh, you know, get this thing together. Yeah, it's – I, I have to find at least a little bit of benefit to them. I mean, that's why the union likes them, uh, the teams like them. Like you said, you're not supposed to have any contact with the coach, but still, you know, it's like they got the playbook, and um, a few guys, there's those team leaders, you know, the ones that are there, getting the guys together, kind of going over the new things, especially the new offense, you know, pulling guys together, you know, at least saying, hey, look at this. This is going to be what's different. This is what we're going to be looking at right here. And like you said, I know the rookies aren't in there. They're probably stuck agents but um it's got to be once again just to kind of build camaraderie so you don't see you know you get to see the guys again you come back in little team building right there you know before you know coming into training camp august and then you know shaking hands with the guys again so i, I gotta feel there's some benefit to it and i know it gets a lot of hype you know on you know on tv on the radio you know oh, off-season minicamp starts but you know nothing's really happening as long as nobody gets injured lifting you know nobody you know throws their back out you know doing something like that you know it's just just in the team's in there checking them out you know team doctors there giving them physical making sure they're okay you know anything that was nicked and dinged up at the last uh at the end of last season you know it's healing properly they kind of get a timeline when you know when the guy will be ready if he'll be ready for training camp or at what point um same thing you know with the defense new guys come in you know get to meet the other players on the defense you know they get to you know it happens. Guys walk in, you see them on the field, you know, with their pads on, you know, without their, you know, and then after, after the game, you know, guys are ripping their shoulder pads off to walk off, but still you're kind of sizing them up, you know, looking at them, seeing them, what they look like, you know, just in street clothes and uh, kind of seeing what their, uh, what their attitude is like, you know, if, if they'll mesh with the team, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. This guy's either kind of standoffish or this guy's real boisterous. He's going to help out. And, you know, some of those guys, when they walk in, you can tell that they're going to be a team leader or it might be one of those guys that, you know, Hey, they're, you know, they're going to be a good guy. Good being, you know, good, you know, follower or nice soldier, you know, following the rules, things like that. So, you know, there's gotta be some benefit to these things that uh, make it worthwhile that, you know, they keep them happening because if, if somebody didn't find them, benefit, at least the players, they would, I think they would do more to try to get them, you know, done away with, but uh, there's gotta be something very beneficial to these things to uh, keep these things uh, happening year after year after year. Grifka, I was waiting for you to stop because I think I've been pretty gracious and pretty uh, limiting on the bell with some of our interviews and things you've been doing the last few weeks. But but that's a straight-up triple bell for you. And the reason 
90% of that was, was my take that you just re reset again. Like the only thing you added at the end, which I thought was funny was <laughs> like, you, you think that these guys are like eyeing each other up and figuring out who's, uh, who's loud, who's quiet, who's uh, a leader. I mean, that's, I'm not sure. I think they just kind of, they, that's, that's just human what? nature. That's what competitors do. I mean, well, if you've ever done that before, you walked in a job interview and you've seen other people there. Or if you, you know, when you get on a team, you kind of eye other players and say like, okay, you kind of look at that. Yeah, guys have been around the league, but that's just human nature. So if you think guys are not doing that, I would have to disagree to say like, yeah, this guy is, you know, a big dog. Yeah, this guy is this way. This guy is going to be a team leader. So that's just human nature. And that's just what competitors do. So I would. <laughs> okay. Some guy, I, I, I heard if you think Trey Flowers is walking uh, a lot. Like, here we yeah, go. Okay, it's Trey Flowers. Or hey, it's Justin Coleman. Yeah, big deal. No, they're looking at him, and they're seeing what his attitude is. They're seeing how he reacts to things. That's what they're doing. So if you think they're not, I would. I... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Grifka. I heard, I heard that take the first time you said it, but like, I think they're just getting to know teammates. Like, yeah, maybe some of that comes into play, but you're just meeting new people and like, hey, this guy's our teammate now. It doesn't matter if he's loud, quiet big, small, he's your teammate now. So just trying to get to know him and, and figure out how to work together. Right. Like, uh, I don't know this big sizing up session. I mean, they're all professionals. They're just there to, to get paid and try to win football games. You're always sizing up everybody, especially on a team where you can get cut and you're getting paid for it. You, I mean, yeah, there's guys that like, like I've said before, some guys know they're on the team already at the end of the last year. So when I say you see the guys that like, you know, don't play as hard, but you see, you see, like, and you guys walking in, no matter if it's Trey Flowers or, like, you know, other other guys that, you know, signed that just didn't make as much dial as much. Yeah, you're sizing those guys up. That's what that's just human nature. So you can laugh at that. Go ahead. Right. But if you think those are guys like, hey, man, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm laughing because you said the same thing four or five times. Is that uh, sizing people up with human nature? Let's let's just, move on. You realize what else? the point is very valid. I guess it gets more valid the more times you say it. Let, let's move on, Grifka. What else we got today? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 dude, I'm still kind of kind of reeling from this thing. How you think everybody just comes in and all kumbaya in the same team locker room? But haven't you ever been on a team where you haven't? <laughs> And you don't size up other guys? I guess I'm confused by this. Oh. <laughs> I just don't think it's a big talking point, but I thought it was funny that for 90% of your take about the off-season program, you repeated what I said. And then your big unique take was that they're sitting there eyeing each other up trying to figure out who's who when they're trying to be a team. They're meeting new teammates. Like, it's not not as big of a deal as you make it. I mean, we got a good locker room, not a bunch of crazies in there. So, yeah, there might be some competitive levels, but what was your tagline? Something about they're sizing people up, that's that's human nature? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, that doesn't mean much to me, to be honest, but um, it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> I guess reasonable minds can differ, but okay. <laughs> I haven't pulled that one out in a while. I just want to get that actually. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a, it's a classic, man. You gotta gotta play the hits. So let's talk about this, Grifka. Like the guys are getting in there; they're barely just lifting and running. Um, when they get a little farther in the program and start learning this new offense, or maybe I don't even know if they can get playbooks right now. Like, do you think that's gonna be a long transition, or do you think these guys, uh, you know, uh, with the new offense and stuff that's coming in, you think that we can really get that thing up and running year one here? Because we we don't have time to mess around. Yeah, I I think once the uh, new offensive coordinator was announced, the uh, the playbooks were pretty much handed out at that point. Those things were at least at least sent to maybe the skill position guys, but I, I can't see why you would send just the skill position guys and not the uh, offensive linemen either. And it's one of those things where uh, the I don't know. Do you remember the old days before the rookies? Like right after the draft, they would have a mini camp where the rookies would come and they would get to play the playbooks even before they were signed on contracts. You know, even but that was, this was when they still had the, uh, you know, whatever they didn't have the rookie wage scale. And these guys were handed these guys were handed you know playbooks. You know, it's like here learn the playbook. I mean, yeah, they had their rights, but they still weren't under contract. So I'm thinking once the offensive coordinator was was announced, the 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 uh, 
playbooks was handed out simply because they're going to have to learn as fast as possible. And uh, you're right. I don't think there's a whole lot of time. I think that, uh, you know, like yourself, you, you were preset. You, you mentioned last year, if the team had a worse record than the year before, even if they showed some progress, then uh, it would be a step forward for the team. And I think what happened last year, what people were expecting with Matt Pat and um, what they're going to expect this year and, you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of downers out there every year that, you know, I have a friend every year. All he ever says is five and 11. You know, once the schedule comes out, no matter what, it's five and 11, five and 11, five and 11. You know, it doesn't matter. He says it every year, you know, so I don't even argue with him about it. I just, he's like five and 11. So, um, yeah, but I don't think this team is going to, uh, you know, I don't think they get a whole year to learn this offense. It might be where the defense has to carry the team the first quarter, first quarter and a half of the season. You know, the first six games, keep them in, let the offense score just enough points till the uh, offense can get itself, you know, get its feet underneath it that really knows it and go from there. But uh, this has to be some, but this has to be a team that is playing, playing meaningful games in, in late December. And I think the offense is going to have to, uh, is going to have to be picked up, you know, quickly for that, for that to happen. They can't fall in a huge hole and hope to fight back. I mean, we've seen teams do that before, but uh, I believe the Lions play in a pretty tough division. Uh, a lot of teams improved, and I mean, the Lions have improved, but this is going to have to be something with the offense. You know, like I said, the defense maybe might have to carry them for the first quarter, six weeks, but they can't be one in five, you know, you know, maybe three and three at the worst. I haven't, you know, we haven't seen the schedule, or we haven't talked about the schedule yet, but that's going to have to be something where the offense gets picked up. Now, like I, like I just said, the defense might have to carry them, um, do you think even with the new guys being picked up and like you know waiting you know to see who else they draft, do you think this defense will be capable of carrying the team when needed? You know the first part of the season, maybe the first half of the season. Do you think this defense with Trey Flowers they'll be able to do that? Well, as I often do, Grifka. Before I get to that, I want to throw this out to the people. If somebody could do this for me one time, I would love to like have somebody time one of the Grifka uh, takes. I would love to see if you can get over 10 minutes, Grifka, with, without uh, taking a breath, because uh, some of these some of these answers you have are absolutely incredible. Um, my quick answer to that offense would have just been, hey, man, Matt Stafford better, once he's got his family stuff together, get in here and get that thing rolling. We got to throw the football a lot better, and a uh, healthy carry-on is going to help us. I mean, got to get that going, no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let me hit on this defense and then, uh, I want to take a quick pause after that. And then we're going to, uh, we're going to put you to the test, man. We got to get to these mock drafts. People, uh, they, they can't hear about this, you know, off season nothingness. They want to hear about mock drafts. They want to hear about Grifka's going to do in the first and second round. So, um, that's, you know, right there, he's going to totally have stuff schemed up. Um, I have total respect for this guy in regards to what he does with defenses, how he knows how to implement people, the fundamentals, you know, read a great article uh, on the athletic where Matt Pat just talks about how important the fundamentals are really interesting stuff. So um, I think he's just going to have a great plan for Trey flowers. Coleman is going to be in the slot, just uh, being way better than what we've been used to the last few years. I mean, I think we just got totally uh, used to having, um, you know, Nevin Lawson in there just getting roasted and toasted. And now we're going to actually have somebody that can D up, can make the plays on the football. I think that's going to be super important. So I think it might be important early in the year, as you kind of hinted that, hey, they might have to uh, help the offense. But I'm not giving the offense a pass, man. They got to be in here ready to rock and roll. The defense um, needs to have more turnovers this year. And, yeah, they got to know this scheme really well. But they also just sort of have to make plays. And uh, and like you say, be down with the fundamentals, down with the scheme from day one. And I think it starts right here in these beginning uh, off-season programs and guys getting in the playbook. Okay. So uh, with that being said, man, let's take a quick pause. One of our great sponsors will come right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody, we're back. And it's time to put Grifka through the paces. We're going to do a two-round mock. And this is where Grifka's got to take somebody at eight. And he's got to take somebody in the second round for our Detroit Lions. So here we go, Grifka. Um, give you some of your options. I'm doing this here on my end, giving you some of the options for you to pick from. So at number eight in this mock, the top player, Quentin Williams, at Oliver, DK Metcalf, Montez Sweat, TJ Hawkinson, Brian Burns, and the other names that you're used to. What do you, what do you want to go with at number eight? Or you tell me who you'd love, and I'll tell you if he's there. Who was the first couple again? Quinn Williams at Oliver, DK, and then quarterback, Montez. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, let's go with Quinn Williams if he's there. All right. It's crazy, man. This, like, on the draft network, this mock machine's been let Quinn Williams fall to eight a lot, which I really don't see happening. But, like you said, you really can't pass on it. So, yeah. you've taken a big defensive tackle. We're coming around to your second rounder. Um, who are you going to pair with him? We Here we are at number 43. Top player on this board is Chris Lindstrom, the interior lineman from Boston College. You've got uh, Dexter Lawrence on the board. You got Chase Winovich on the board. Paris Campbell, Debo, Irv Smith is still there. If you want your tight end in the second round, I mean, those are some names. But like you know that you took Quentin. So, what would you love in the second round to pair up with him? Gosh, I, I like Lindstrom a lot. But I like Irv Smith as well. Uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, I would go with Irv Smith then if that if those were the guys that were there. Okay, so Grifka, a Beast, and Quinn Williams, and Irv Smith. Irv Smith to me is the third tight end. Where if you wait, you're going to get quite a lesser player. But it's all about where that value is and what you love. Um, give us your quick, you know, minute or so of those two picks, Grifka, maybe how you, what you love in Irv Smith or what, you know, I say, quick recap of what you like about those two picks. Yeah. Irv Smith and uh, I, I just watching him, I watched a lot of Alabama games. They were just on a lot and that team is one of those teams I like to watch. Uh, they intrigue me a lot. And this guy seemed to get open a lot. I know there was a lot of weapons on that offense, so it was really hard to cover him. But uh, it seemed like he ran a lot of good seam routes. He, he ex- lot of, ran a lot of good, um, was it like, you, know, you go up to see him and run, run like an out route. It's not quite a flag, but it's a, it's more of an out route. And he would, he'd be able to catch the ball when the ball is like, you know, going away from him. That's what you have to do on those type of routes. And he'd have good hands at that. Now, he's, he's, an, he's a decent blocker. He's not great. He's not that great at blocking, but um, it's a guy I definitely like him to be able to get, you know, down the field and catch the ball. Something seems like we've had trouble with uh, tight ends uh, around Detroit, you know, guys that can catch the ball. And I believe Irv Smith would, you know, be able to do that. He obviously has the pedigree. And I think, uh, you know, obviously his dad played in the NFL for a number of years. So um, I think he might be one of those things like the transition, you know, wouldn't uh, be, be as bad for him you know, living through it with his father. But um, I, I like that pick there. But, you know, like I said, it was between him and Lindstrom. But, I, gosh, I, I like him a lot too, but I just don't know about that high pick on an interior lineman considering the lines have spent a lot of a lot of high picks on interior linemen the last few years. Uh, no one's going to – with Williams on defense, that guy's just going to go monster in the rotation. That might be one of those things where you don't have to worry about then, like like we have talked in the past, going out, signing another guy to fill a role like a Ricky Jean, you know, somebody like that. Um, I think him and Snacks down low would just be just be monsters right there. It might be one of those things where you put Snacks as the true nose and you put Williams, you know, out over one of the tackles, you know, or like the gap between the tackle guard. Um, those guys, you're not going to be able to double team double team and those guys could just create a lot of havoc uh once again i don't believe williams will be there but since that's what the mock mock gave you right there i'll take two guys from alabama you know so i I like those two picks if that's the way it was to fall (laughs) all right man i I like it uh irv smith i mean there's been some concerns about his size maybe his overall how dynamic he is but i think 
in that second round. It's a, a good pick if, if they do value the tight end the way that it's been talked about. And like you said, you can't pass up on talent if it falls to you like that. So it's usually Grifka's bit where he tells you to go listen to a previous show. But if anybody needs to go back, go back to our last couple of shows where Grifka said one of my favorite lines that he said on the show, which isn't like a funny line, but it is funny when he says it, where Grifka just kept going, watch a game, okay? <laughs> like, that's classic. So when you said you watched a game uh, of Alabama, it just made me laugh. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead. We're going to give you one more try here. Let's do uh, one more of these and see if anything changes your uh, your thinking changes or if we get similar results um, okay so this one shook out similar um similar names at the top so decide maybe if you want to go a different route or if you want to stick with your same first if, rounder if it's the same thing i'll, I'll change it up i will go with uh, montez this time you, you know i like him but uh, i'll take him this time all right oh i uh montez went right before at number seven so oh. he is off the board oh gosh um rocky sin's available Oh really? Oh gosh, they might trade back and take him though. Um, just for let's put it this way, you know I would hate this, but just you know just to soothe soothe it, I will I will take I'll take Hawkinson right there. Okay, so Grifka is taking his favorite player in the draft, T.J. Hawkinson at number eight because Grifka loves tight ends at number eights. He thinks they're just integral parts to a football team and they're just uh, tremendous values at that spot. So there you go. And we're getting to 43 here. So um, some of the top names, Jeffrey Simmons is there. Lindstrom is there. Dexter Lawrence, Justin Lane, the corner. Number 45 overall on this board. Rocky Sin is there in the second round. He is? Pencil him in, man. <laughs> He'll be gone in the first round, but pencil him in. Oh, I didn't even have to. I could have, like, any other name could have been after that, and you wouldn't even care. You just <laughs> – you could have said you could have said uh bosa sitting there like, rock rocks there you gotta take rock <laughs> oh my goodness hilarious so uh grifka that's two for you i i'd like to put you through the paces next week because we'll be three rounds because in my the way the nfl draft is is so important like you can get great players in those first three rounds they can start right away they can really impact your franchise when you get into four five six those are you know the draft in general, I was, I heard a stat today, like NFL GMs, it's literally like 40, 50% that they hit on these picks, which I think is crazy because every year that I watch the draft, I see great players going in all these different rounds. Um, but, uh, we'll do a three round, um, and, uh, and I'll hit you up with some of my, uh, my takes as well. So we'll keep this thing going next week and just kind of see, because man, I want to walk out of this draft looking at those first three picks and being fine. They got the position they took care of, the upside, and I would say two out of those three have to be real, real game changers, real blue chippers, real playmakers at whatever position to uh, help us get over the hump, man. Yeah, definitely have to hit on those picks, those first three, definitely. So you kind of agree? Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm I'm buying what you're selling. <laughs> okay, you didn't go to the line, but that's okay. Uh, I thought that was good, Griff. I thought you did good with those mocks, so I'll give you a little credit there. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? I'm back, and uh, I want to take this segment and do it solo, uh, so no Grifka for all you Team Grifka fans out there. But uh, this week, we debuted kind of a cool feature, which is the DKC, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, listener line and what that is is it's a number you can call in you can leave a voicemail you can leave a question you can rant and rave you can cut a promo you can talk smack you can tell us how great the show is you can do anything you want to do so like i say we tested it we just debuted it we threw it out there and uh a few, a few people tested it out and tried it. So uh, I just pulled a couple quick ones, uh, both from the same caller on this one. Uh, Paul Jackson, we've uh, featured him on a previous show. He's a supporter of the show. He's always uh, listening to every episode, really uh, pubbing the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, which you really appreciate. But uh, Paul had some questions, so uh, I took two of his questions and going to play those for you and then kind of give you my take. So Here's uh here's the first question from Paul and Paul's uh in Florida. 
Hey, Detroit Kool-Aid cast. This is Paul from Tampa. Love the show. Listen to every single podcast. Uh, question for you this week. If Ebron was coming out, out of college in 2019, how would you rank him amongst all these other highly ranked prospects? So with that question, like, Paul Paul's talking about Grifka's favorite player, Eric Ebron, kind of asking how would he compare to this uh, class of tight ends. You know, this draft class is said to be a really good class in regards to the tight ends. I mean, I hate to turn back the clock. I hate to look back. And uh, I'm kidding with you because Grifka hated this pick too, and so did I. Going back to that draft with Ebron, like I just remember hearing he was immature, he had rabbit ears, he was athletic. You know, in college, they kind of featured him so he could stretch the seams, he could do all this other stuff. But, like, we knew that unless this guy's an absolute game changer, we did not want, you know, a tight end at what, 10 overall in that draft. There was, there was Aaron Donald on the board who I liked in that draft, Mosley, you know, some skilled players, all types of stuff. So, so when you look back, I mean, looking at the players this year, Hawkinson, Fant, Irv Smith, top three guys. I mean, I don't know. When you, when you talk about Hawkinson, like, he's a, he's a much, 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 much better blocker than Eric Ebron was, ever will be. Uh, you know, I think he can make plays in the passing game. I don't know that he's a guy that can really take the top off the defense or go up over the top with a seam ball. I think he'd be steady. He'd be less than a Travis Kelsey, obviously, but maybe more in that mold where if you know ways to use him, get him open, he can really be dynamic. But, you know, I don't know that he's just absolute huge big playmaker like he's kind of been made out to be. But I think he does fit what the Lions are looking for and seems like a really solid prospect. You're not going to have to worry about off the field. Noah Fant, you know, he's more of that Ebron type. So I don't know that we wanted to draft Ebron deal with Ebron, get rid of Ebron, and then draft an Ebron type, maybe not with the, you know, the mental issues, the rabbit ears, the immaturity, the lack of playmaking, you know, I think Noah Fant probably has a better head on his shoulders and, you know, might come in the league and be a better overall playmaker. I mean, if we look back, I don't have the numbers, but like Ebron, he had maybe like four touchdowns his first few years, if that, you know, he was... He wasn't scoring touchdowns. I think he had one, maybe two 100-yard games in his life. I mean, most tight ends aren't getting 100-yard games, but but give me something. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that. So, you know, as good as Noah Fant is, you know, I don't know if I love taking him with this regime with the Lions unless, you know, he was really to sort of slip down to your second-round pick, which I don't see happening. So... Hawkinson fits this team better, and I like him much better than I liked Ebron in that draft. And Irv Smith is that guy that he's a he's a dumbed down playmaker that can can block better than Ebron and can do some things. But you know he's just a value guy to me. He's a guy that if he's sitting there and you're in the second round and you you got a great guy in the first round and you feel like tight end super important, yeah maybe you go ahead and get Irv Smith, but. Um, you know, and there's guys later, I think this is a good tight end class. I think Ebron was the tight end in that draft, but we can see he didn't pan out in Detroit. Okay. You had one good year over in Indy, you know what I mean? Lots of touchdowns and whatnot. Like, let's see if you can repeat that. So I think the Lions really need to get a tight end that fits them. A meat and potatoes guy, a guy that can block, catch, just, how much do you want to spend for something like that? You know, do you want to spend top 10 draft capital? You know, I'd prefer not to. Would you love to get a guy like that maybe in the middle round because it's a huge hole on offense? I think they would, but I also don't know what Jesse James is right now. You know, I haven't seen that guy yet. Like, I'd be curious what he can do. Can he make plays? Can he block in a bigger role the minute you draft a really high tight end? You just paid Jesse James six, seven million bucks. What's he going to do? You know, play a third of the downs, 20% of the downs. You know what I mean? I think that, I think that 
if they draft one high, he's going to have to be a feature guy. And I just don't know the tight end brings you that much, you know, in regards to stats, touchdowns, numbers, all that type of stuff. So, Paul, that's my answer, man. Uh, I'd much rather have some of these guys than Ebron. But, um, you know, I think tight end is still where it was back when they took Ebron, 2014, whatever I think that draft was. Like, you know, I knew then that tight ends weren't really that important unless you had a, an absolute stud. So that's my answer to that. Uh, Paul had the second question. I believe it sort of deals with, uh, you know, Bob Quinn, what he's drafted, as well as maybe stack. Uh, he also asked um, about stacking up the D linemen in, in a separate. You can also text us at the Detroit Kool-Aid cast listener line. If you don't want to call, if you don't want your voice on there, if you don't want to uh, have us play your question on the show, you can simply shoot us a quick text saying, hey, I got this question or, hey, I love the show or hey, here's my thoughts on something you talked about. You know, we love that kind of stuff all day, too. So this next question you're going to hear, I think, is about Paul kind of asking, you know, Bob Quinn, he's been able to hit some some good picks in the draft and kind of our thoughts on that. And I'm also going to tackle his uh, defensive lineman, you know, kind of maybe how I'd rank the top couple guys and, and stuff like that. Knowing that BQ has done so well with his Third, second and third round picks minus T's, Tabor, of course. Does that make you feel more confident or more comfortable trading back, knowing that, hey, we could get a Galladay in the third round, we could get an Aishon in the second second round, we could get a, a carry-on in the second round, um, even a guy like Glasgow, a third rounder? Um, uh, or do you feel like this year's different since we have a top ten pick and the top 10 picks are more likely to be, you know, the, the pro bowler, all pro type players versus our last three first rounders, which have been, uh, I think between 15 and 20. And they've all kind of panned out to be about, you know, where they should have if you were to do a redraft. So anyways, love the show. Uh, hoping to hear back about this. Thanks. So to this second question, uh, Paul hit, you know, he kind of, he talked about how Quinn had sort of went, you know, safe with his picks in the 20s, but he has, if you look back at the history, you know, he sort of hit on those picks in regards to, you know, those guys, if you go back, you know, they've been solid football players, guys you don't take up in the early rounds, but a guy you'd probably be happy with in the mid to late first round. But uh, he's kind of asking, too, like, now with, with BQ with the top eight, you know what I mean? Like, like what do you do? Do you, do you trust him to take a guy up high and find that blue chip? Do you, do you like him if he trades back because he has done better in the mid-teens and 20s in regards to filling out the roster, getting solid football players, guys with character, all that type of stuff? I mean, I'll keep this answer pretty short, like, my whole take on Bobby Quinn, what I really liked is he he's, he's filled needs, which I always thought was a, an issue. You know, yeah, you can say best player available all day. And like when I do my drafts, fantasy football, or when I look at the Lions draft, yeah, I always want to get a really top-notch football player. But you can't re- disregard needs. I mean, I remember when we always were taking defensive tackles and just loading up on defensive line every year. I mean, you leave yourself bare at other spots. So I think that, you know, it'd be really important to fill needs, which he's done by taking Rag now. That was a huge hole. Jared Davis, I mean, I remember when he took him, I was just kind of like, finally, we have a captain of our defense. We have a middle linebacker that can have the green dot on his helmet, can make calls, can make plays, can fly all over the field. I mean, I think that was a huge need that he filled. Uh, and then when he took Taylor Decker as well, left tackle, like we had a bunch of bums over there. I mean, we had people that had, you know, retired. Then we had people that were just sort of getting us by. He obviously didn't want to put money into Riley Reef, let him go. Was able to get a younger, cheaper left tackle that's done more than adequate. Grifka hating on Taylor Decker every episode of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Like, I'm a fan. I think this guy's a good football player, meat and potatoes. Nothing special. He's not dominant over there but he's more than good 
and uh, I absolutely love that. So he's filled needs. He hasn't reached. All those players have pretty much panned out. He hasn't had any big busts. He hasn't had guys that just totally uh, didn't live up to expectations, in my opinion, with those top first-round picks. So with all that being said, I mean, that's why I think let's go ahead and get that trade down. You know, I, I'm screaming for blue-chip players and game-changers, game-wreckers, uh, but, hey, I think if you do a trade down, you pick up a second, you do a trade down, you pick up a third and some pick a pick next year, I mean, that's that's always where the value is because I know a lot of you listening out already know this, but go ahead to the websites and pull up the contract values for these rookies. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like second, third rounders, you're getting for, you know, 500, 800,000 bucks a year for four or five years contract controlled. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. You got to get those lottery tickets. So even though I have confidence that BQ could take a great player up at eight, like, hey, man, go ahead and trade back, acquire more picks. The NFL draft every year gets deeper and deeper. Go ahead and uh, load up on picks like that. So, so Paul, I hope I hope I kind of answered that question for you. I want to take a couple moments and get to your defensive linemen. So, I actually don't have my board right in front of me. You guys might be able to hear. I'm I'm kind of on the road now doing this podcast on the go. But uh, when it comes to the D linemen, we were talking about top eight. And we're talking about realistic targets. I mean, I think you're looking at, you put in Ed Oliver as a realistic target, Sean Gary, Montez Sweat, Brian Burns. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I'm missing there. I mean, those are my realistic five When you, if you're stuck at eight and need to pick. The way I rank them, pretty simple. You've heard us talk about it on the show. I mean... Ed Oliver's still my guy. Now, I, the thing I don't like is I wish he was like a D-end, or I wish he was a – we were short defensive interior guys, which we're not. Um, but I think he's still too good to pass on. I like his character, despite what Grifka may say about the jacket incident. Like, come on, Grifka. Like, it's one deal. There's nothing else about this guy character-wise. He's a freak of an athlete. He was basically the number one player the last couple years – and now people are dropping him down for X, Y, and Z reasons. So I put I put Oliver one on um, um, my kind of D-line, edge rusher type guys. Then, uh, you know, man, after that, I, I don't like taking this guy at eight, but I think when you're looking at those type of players, if you're stuck there, I'm going to put Brian Burns at my second spot there just because – when you watch his tape in college, he's explosive, athletic, crazy bend. Uh, then you watch him at the combine. The guy can move. He catches the football. I've seen some interviews with him. Seems good character. You look at him. He looks like a pro football player. He's put on weight, which is important. He sort of, uh, you know, went ahead and, you know, took that seriously and has, has done well throughout the process. And uh, I just think he's got so much versatility, explosion, all that type of stuff. But young, I mean, you got to look at him there in second. When I get to my third, four, five type guys, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I'd probably get Montez there at three. I mean, the heart issue does worry me a little bit. He also looks really stiff when you watch him, just a big athlete, but kind of looks just like he's just bolted together and don't know how great he can dip and get after people in the past game. But, uh, man, that – and, again, I'm not – I'm really not a huge combine guy. I know Grifko will say, oh, that's – I fell in love with DK Metcalf because of the 40 and whatnot. Like, I am a big guy with traits, though. Like, when you have special traits, meaning, like, speed, athleticism, size, uh, strength, all those things that you basically, you know, can't really teach, or if you can teach it, you know, it takes a while, so – these guys have it in spades. That's important to me. Montez Sweat, man, at his size, when he ran that 40, I was just like, oh, my. I, I didn't expect anything like that from the guy. Uh, and he looked pretty good in drills and whatnot. So 
that was important to me. He also pretty much dominated at the Senior Bowl, which is something I always think is important. You know, uh, those are some of the best of the best when it comes to the college game. He was he was good. He got after people during the drills and, you know, had a pretty good uh, showing and, and some different things throughout that week. So I think that's important. So let's go ahead and slot Montez at three. Who else I have in there? Rashawn Gary. Um, man, I guess Gary would be four for me just based on pedigree traits alone. Like, you know, I was the number one player coming out of high school, played at a big school at Michigan, fought through some injuries. You know, me, the big Hughes, a lot of people we've kind of talked back and forth about. We don't like his football mentality. Anybody that saw that Michigan documentary, you know, he seemed kind of like a mama's boy. He seemed kind of like he never had his head on straight in regards to his emotions or, or being a hard-nosed type of player. He was kind of, you know, when things are going well, he's dominating great. When he's not, you know, he's got issues. But this guy's big. He fits the Lions scheme. The minute that ball's hiked, man, he gets after you like none other. And uh, if he could stay healthy and uh, they could find role for him, it's a pretty dynamic player getting at number eight that a lot of us never thought would be there or that we wouldn't want, you know, back about a, a year, six, eight months ago. So I think um, that'd be my take on Rashawn Gary. And then, yeah, I mean, then you're getting into the, the other positions, tight end, you know, old lineman. Jeez, uh, some people, you know, are interested sort of in the quarterback. But when you're asking me to stack up those D linemen, uh, Paul, that's kind of how I would do it here on the fly without uh, looking at my board and breaking it down right in front of me. But Lions are going to have some great options at number eight. There's no doubt about it. And they really need a hit. So stacking those guys up, I think, super important. And uh, making sure that they make the right pick and the right player there is an absolute must. So everybody, we hit Paul's questions. We spent a bunch of time on them in the future. We're hoping we'll get a bunch of takes and questions and we can just rapid fire some of those. But uh, I think this will be a cool feature. If you guys buy into it, leave us some uh, hilarious messages, leave us some great questions, leave us some takes right after the lines make their pick. We want to hear your instant reaction. It should be kind of fun. So everybody, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close up this segment. As I said, kind of on the go doing this thing, but having some fun with it and uh, just trying to get you guys more lines content as we head to the draft. So thanks a lot. Drink it in, man.